Hello and welcome to the last episode of season one of the Interchange podcast. Each episode looks at how we can make integrated transport delivery happen and involves me, Iowa Bass, interviewing leading changemakers and thinkers from the sector. This podcast is kindly sponsored by Arcadis. My guest today is Anusha Shah, who is currently serving her term as the 159th president of the Institution of Civil Engineers, the ICE. She's only the third female to take on this role and the first person of colour nonetheless. In our enlightening conversation, we talked about how we should be taking a systems thinking and nature-based approach to integrated delivery, why we must accept the climate emergency and use every opportunity to do something about it, the need for connections and bringing people together, the importance of understanding behavioural science and the psychology behind why consumers and people travel, the need for engineers to be more empathetic and how they need to get to know more about the communities we're designing for. Anyway, I'll stop talking so you can hear the interview. Enjoy. Hi, Anusha. Thanks so much for coming onto the show. Can you explain a bit more about who you are, um, your role at Arcadis and what you're doing at the ICE? Hi, Ayo. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, so I'm Anusha Shah. At Arcadis, I work as a senior director for Resilient Cities and I'm also a UK climate adaptation lead. Um, by training, I am a civil engineer and uh, my master's has been in water environmental engineering. Uh, got nearly 20 to 24, gosh, 25, I think, uh, years of experience, mostly water and environment, but yeah. more greatly across other uh, you know, infrastructure sectors as well. And I do a lot of industry roles. As uh, you know, I am the current uh, president for the Institution of Civil Engineers. I also sit on the Met Office um, as a non-exec director, and um, I'm a trustee with Green Alliance. And I also see you're a visiting professor as well. How do you have the time? <laughs> to be honest, it's it's uh, that's what I say. I, I say the same message. My whole passion is around addressing the climate and nature emergency and how we use that as an opportunity to really redesign our world, which works for everyone and in harmony with environment. So, so it's just e- you know, across all my rules, it is I I have the same ethos, but I just use the platform. Use different elements. Different <laughs> elements of it, whether it's Met Office in terms of climate science and data and influencing there to, to the day-to-day operations in Arcadis, um, to to I see looking at the pan industry, what changes we need to make. Uh, at Green Alliance, it's more about the um, policy influencing. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a really an amazing. They punch about their weight in terms of yeah. I'm just starting with them, so I haven't done much with them. But yes, so so looking at the whole thing from policy to implementation, from data to behaviors, uh, I really do believe in the whole systems. It needs a system change to 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 actually make uh, you know get some success on all this. Fantastic. And when it comes to integrated transport infrastructure, what does that mean to you? And I guess, why is that important? I think before I talk about the integrated transport, um, I'd, um, I, I'd just like my listeners to really kind of close their eyes for a few minutes and, and, and imagine, you know, imagine a world where um, town centres and places are smog free, full of thriving green ecosystems with more cyclists and pedestrians than cars. Imagine living in a home with enhanced ventilation, shading, 
and insulation, home that runs off renewable energy, and there's a garden or a roof and a balcony system that grows food too. Imagine having a strong community system which is prepared for any disaster. We have early warning systems on our smartphones, but also with a backup mechanism to mobilize community to support each other if needed. We have reduced our consumption and we only buy what you need and anything extra we are able to share or resell at the click of a button. Imagine we have everything we need from work, food, to retail, to social hubs, to public health facilities, technology hubs, within 15 or 30 minutes of travel. And we, when we do need to visit a friend or a relative or need new opportunities or need to meet someone for business in a far off city, with one click, we book a cycle, an affordable return journey, bus ride to the station, electric train or tram passing beautiful open green and blue spaces. And for the occasional car travel, we have easy access to vehicle charging points. And we listen to the news and we hear we are on track to meet our country's net zero targets. We have doubled our biodiversity, our flora and fauna. And we see people, previously lonely people, interacting with each other each other in neighborhood hubs. We see more happy faces. I mean, this is the type of vision I feel. And transport is, as you can see, a core part of it. And I see, if you see technically the definition of integrated transport is almost like multimodal transport involving different modes of transport to maximize ease and efficiency for user in terms of time, cost, comfort, safety, accessibility, and convenience. I think I just wanted think of it very simply. It is a mode, a multi-mode, which just, it's all about connections. It's about connecting people to the environment. It's about connecting people to opportunities. It's about unlocking those opportunities for people. It's about fairness. It's about connecting people for good health and well-being. It's, it's about looking at it from a systemic perspective, and, you know, allowing that end-to-end -end connection from the first mile to the long-distance transport to the last mile and, and thinking of it in a way that is connected to the places around us, it's connecting to the people, to the environment. Um, but in a way, ultimately, um, as my theme for my presidential theme is around um, how do you make connections for a nature and people positive world? And that connection involves this multimode transport, and that's how I see it. So it's really for connecting people and they're the centre of everything, right, in a way? Yeah, yeah. yeah. but in harmony with the environment, not, not at the expense of environment. In a Which way, really the environment, yeah. So what kind of enablers and I guess what sort of blockers do you see happening in terms of making that kind of in, in, integrated transport and with nature and the environment from happening? Oh, gosh, where do I start? Okay, <laughs> enablers. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, I think the intent is there. I mean, you see, you know, you pick up any document from, you know, Network Rail, TFL or other transport authorities around the world. Everyone's really trying hard and everyone's talking about systems thinking. But I think the current, the current systems we are sat in are not in line with what our ambitions are. So I think it needs a fundamental shift to what we have created. And I think we have created the systems and we are the system. We can't look at someone else to change the system. 
we are part of the system. So I, th I think that that's quite important to know. And, and, and the systems are not just hard infrastructure systems. That is quite important. And um, I've been listening to some fascinating um, podcasts from Rory Sutherland, who's, uh, who you, you may know. I think he spoke at Interchange Conference last year as well. Yeah, advertising guru, but also yes. talks on loads of different topics. It's, it's he does, he does. But what I like about him is he really brings in that humanistic view that, you know, cut everything out and what are we actually doing? Why are we doing things? And who are we doing things for? And he really talks about that we tend to really dominate. We have, he talks something like it tends to get dominated by reductionist method. And he says, when we are designing transport systems, we really dominate it by speed, time, efficiency, you know, things that are quantifiable. That, that, so you design a transport system that gives you all that and then you convert it into money and how much did it save and, you know, all that stuff. That is important. It's all very hard though, isn't it? It's all very it's black hard, and white. Very, very hard metrics. Yeah. You know, he calls it that there's no SI system for other things. So, yeah. And, 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 and those other things are what, and I completely agree with him, is about what humans deeply care about. Is it, yeah. you know, are you enjoying the travel? You know, what kind of emotions are you going through in your travel? And ultimately, you have to think about people. People's lives are quite complex. Aren't they? Yeah. You don't know when they're traveling, what are they traveling for? You know, it could be someone having some relationship crisis. It could be someone um, who's going to meet um, their parents who are not well, who are poorly. Or someone could be just going just to get engaged. You don't know what kind of emotions yeah. are are going through people's minds and it's really important to understand that to understand the psychology behind the travel yeah and and bringing in those neuroscientists and psychologists as part of understanding consumer behavior and what must go in their mind so if it's like a five minute delay for someone who's just going for a leisure trip it doesn't really matter but if it's a five minute delay for someone who has to see an ailing patient, it really matters. Yeah. But what would matter is how the transport authorities are communicating the delay that allay their fares. Yeah. Uh, we were having a really good round table as part of my presidential visit in Southwest. This was, um, we were talking about um, how people, when they get stuck in a traffic jam, they just accept it. But if it's a five minute delay in the train, People get all really irked about it, right? But had there been announcements saying uh, in, in a humorous way or in a nice, in an empathetic way that these five minutes, you can just please go and have a cup of coffee. We are working on it. Or, you know, it's, it's all about communication. Or if there is a separate, and this is I'm kind of thinking aloud here, it's like if you had a separate um, team of people or separate, you know, someone who, who has an urgency, someone who just talks to them, you know, at that time and say why it was important for them, why this five minutes and, and helping them in a different way. So I think bringing that humanistic um, ethos to the whole transport system would go a long way. And I, I think this is our opportunity when we have, that's why I say climate and nature emergency is the biggest opportunity we've ever had to redesign our systems. So this is a system when, when we are, thinking of decarbonization, we're thinking of making resilient transport systems. Whilst we're doing that, how do we bring about people at the heart of these conversations? 
but in a way that also helps the entire system. When you're planning a tram system or you're planning hydrogen buses, are you also looking at places where you can have um, you know, nature-based solutions around it? So you hit all that with one stone. You know, it's like you can you can really kind of do multiple things and think of multifunctionality while you're at it. So you don't have to come back in a decade and say, well, actually, we can do something about nature here. We just completely forgot about it. It's like, like a retrofit afterwards. Let's go back and go. <laughs> exactly. There, there shouldn't be any retrofit. I think it's about once we are thinking about, let's have a fundamental systems change. But I guess... Is a blocker therefore the way that we're set up at the moment, which is quite separate, isn't it? You would give this money to do this certain project and this for the road and that's for the housing part and this, you know, like are we actually set up for this? I think so. And, and you know, I think we have created some of the things are we structural silos, the way we created departments, which I understand. Yeah. But I think there are silos within our minds as well. I think the mindset needs to change. So when we are planning a system, we're planning whether it's an integrated transport system or a water system. I think everyone should be a systems engineer or a planner. It's like, have they connected the dots with everything else that can impact the system or where they impact the system? I think you have to go through those filters and say, what are the opportunities we can make? If you're talking about electric vehicles, if some of that, you know, releases some of the uh, parking lots, are you just letting those parking lots sit there for a few years? Yeah. Or are you actually using that land for sustainable urban drainage system or few parks which can take away the water? You know, it's about connecting thinking. It's about yeah. how to utilize every space for the benefit of people and, and, and other species. So use every opportunity. Um, so I think it's, it's, that's why what does systems thinking mean in practice? I think it's breaking those silos in our minds and talking to each other and talking, even breaking the silos. One is breaking within the silos, water, transport, energy, but it's also breaking silos um, between professions. That's why I'm quite fascinated by like, you, know, you have to speak to the psychologists, you have to speak to the social scientists, have to speak to landscape architects. And that's why my main people. People, you know, yeah. and I think that's and and also I would say ultimately the communities you are designing for, and we are a part of the community. We might be professionals, but sometimes we have to, you know, step outside our professional zone and step into the shoes of other people. So that's that's empathy, you know. How are you as a commuter? So sometimes we get so driven by how we are designing a transport system, we have all the technical things which are you know, very, very important. You have to have an optimized transport system. But sometimes it's very important to step out of that zone or even speak to your families. How would, you know, check your designs with your families who are from a completely different mindset. Like, is it safe? Would it be safe for a mother to 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 let her 11 or 12-year-old travel alone on a train? Safety is very, very important. You might design the best transport system in the world but if people don't feel safe and confident then what good is it? you know i'll give you an example like i was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about inclusivity in general and we were talking about how would integrated transport be uh, for people with adhd and while whilst we say it's everything is like you know on a touch of a button you can you just book the entire transport system whether it's a cycle then a bus then or a tram and then mm. a train and it's all connected. 
But what, what would it be for a person with anxiety? They need to know because, you know, you don't want to increase the anxiety. They need to know yeah. exactly what time it's going to be. And I'm like, when are they going to get there? Yeah, yeah. How are they going to get there? They don't want to get nervous, you know. So how do you give them the confidence and assurance? And we really, both of us were thinking about it. And as she's like, I think as long as you communicate it to them and tell them what you are, you, that you, it's all in hand and you're dealing with it, they'll be fine. So it comes around communications, right? So I think if you had to really ask me what, what is it that we need to do is being empathetic, people from all walks of life. And sometimes you can't design for everyone, you know. I was recently in Hong Kong and I observed when, when you cross the road, uh, you can hear the sound when the traffic lights go uh, red and then yellow and green. And so people who are partially sighted can hear the sound. I was quite impressed. I know we have a similar sound, but it's not as loud. And, it, you know, it's a little bit lighter in the UK. Um, so I was discussing this case with um, at a roundtable recently, the Southwest um, uh, presidential visit, and, and one lady slightly challenged me and she said, but this would not be good for people with ADHD. And she was right that they would suddenly kind of, you know, they won't feel comfortable with this loud sound. Um, then I was thinking maybe that's for people who are in the minority or um, of a different um, ability could have a gadget in their hand and they could press something so they don't hear the sound. So there are ways to do work around uh, people with different abilities. But that's where we have to put our efforts in is looking at what is the demography, how many people are partially sighted, who would it benefit most and what are the provisions. But not what we can't do is completely ignore. that. That's, so it's really important to design for people um, as many people as we can and for whom we can't design, there should be some other options to mitigate that. But these are the things. It's like a new scope of works. You know, we have to start thinking deeply about what makes people safe, happy, um, you know, what, what will help them, what is for their convenience, something yeah. that, that, you know, so it's, it's thinking deeply. I think it's the first time whilst you're addressing the climate and nature emergency and all the challenges around what we have, whether it's traffic congestion, pollution, um, all sorts of things. Think a bit deeply. Don't think how you have always thought. It's connect it to what are the different aspects we can bring together and think deeply from a and, and think think empathetically is what I'm saying. Empathy is really, really important, isn't it? To understand other people's positions. And we don't always do that, do we? In terms of kind of infrastructure, what else do you think we should be doing as an industry to kind of make this happen and your vision happen? Are there things we can do? I think we should definitely think about active travel, the first mile and the last mile, at least, I would say. And at the moment where we are is, I don't think we, safety, it's not safe. You know, I know a friend of mine, Kate Cairns, she's, she's championing safety for road users. Cycling. Yeah. yeah, cycling. It's not safe. We still yeah. have NGVs. We still have, we have a long way to make. We still have accidents. We still have people dying on roads. But equally, we have a challenge. We have to decarbonize. We have to make sure that people are healthy. And cycling is the best form. You know, it is, it's health and well-being, all the multiple benefits you get. But we're still not bringing safety, Right. So I think it's it's really important to get the right type of people who have solutions and listen to them. 
and and I think we we sh- we know the blockers. So why aren't we removing those blockers? Why aren't we having that intent? And why are we hamstrung by the systems which are stopping us? And that I, that's why I'm saying we have created the systems and we can change the systems. We are the system. So I think it's about making active travel safe for people. Because so the first mile, if you can make it safe for people, so it makes them healthy, it's less, you know, cost reduced for NHS, it's multiple benefits, right? So I think all these peoples, you have to get unconventional partnerships, you know, get NHS partnered with the transport system. I'm sure it must be happening in pockets, but how do you make it a You know, how do you get the health systems in place? How do you get the right people on the table when we are planning a social scientist, a psychologist, a marketing person, a communication person, a technical person, um, a doctor? Because ultimately, we're also looking at air pollution, you know. So how do you make, make sure that you're designing from, you know, looking at the holistic view of things? So active travel, definitely, and then electrifying. And there's no one solution to all these things. That's why we're talking about the integrated it's transport. It's so hard, isn't it? <laughs> we, can, we, can do, we can do things. At least we are, when we are looking at it, we are happy in our own, um, uh, you know, in our spheres that we have looked at it from all angles. And you can't satisfy everything every time. But as long as you have looked at it and you have given it a shot and then whatever you looked at it and because of ABC reasons, you were not able to do it. That goes in the R&D box. You know, that's a question for our academics and say this is this was our blocker. How do you how do you think this what will help us? So I think it's a societal approach. You know, we don't have all the answers, not so it's 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 kind of connecting to things that can bring us answers, but things that are difficult, it goes in the difficult box and we do some R&D. So who would own that type of agenda? Is it a pol- political agenda? Is it, a, you know what I mean? I think it's everyone's agenda. We are in, we are in an emergency aisle, you know? Yeah. It's something like COVID. I don't think at COVID time, we everyone had to take care of their own safety on their own health. It's almost like that, you know? It is in an emergency situation, you don't look for whose agenda it is. It's everyone's agenda. We all have to play a part. That was true, actually. And actually, the behaviour, oh, most some of the behaviour, some of it was dodgy, but some most of the behaviours where everyone actually chipped in and said, right, we need exactly. to get this done quickly. We need to, how do we build this? How do we, and actually, so it, it can happen. Yeah. Everyone Christian. And you look at, did you ever think Dyson and others would actually be designing ventilators? No. That's not what they did. But they did, right? So you need that mindset of everyone pulling together and say, okay, how do we make it right? But there's some of the systems, the blockers have to go. We don't have to bring in communities when we've already done the outline design. We have to bring in communities right at the drawing, right at the start. When you're conceiving a project, we know post-COVID, a lot of people, are, our work patterns have changed. You know, some of us are working at at home. Some of, you know, yes, people have started going back to work, but it's still like three days from home or two days from home. So do we need the transport systems, what we had planned for earlier? Should they be changing? Do we need demand responsive transport system? You know, those are the things. That's where our energies should be going to. And also bringing in the communities and communicating with them to say, we're designing it for you. You have a part. You have. And of course, you can't satisfy everyone. But that's where you need the art of negotiation, the art of showing as long as it's good for people and environment, I don't think we can go wrong. 
you know, it's for health and well-being. If we put all these metrics at the top and physically and technically, sometimes things are not possible. But if you communicate to the, um, you know, the communities, they're intelligent enough to understand. But sometimes I don't think we are the best communicators as technical engineers. <laughs> We're not. We're not. So that's where you need help from others, right? <laughs> no, sometimes it's like hard numbers and you're like, this really is not exciting. <laughs> it is to you. <laughs> That's why you need sometimes people like Rory and others to really say that we haven't thought about, you know. It's so important. It is. Engineers are not thinking about it. One of the reasons my presidential year is about making connection is open the door for other people because ultimately we're designing it for society. And society has people of all walks of life. So we have to understand our end consumer, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's so, so important. And especially, I suppose, if you look, when you look at equality, you know, equality and diversity and inclusion as well, right? And it's that whole agenda of who are we designing for? Is this representative of society and the communities that we're, you know, it's, it's all of that fundamentally. And what sort of trends are you seeing? Are people becoming more open to this kind of agenda when it comes to kind of, delivery delivery in a systematic way? I, I see some green shoots. You know, as I said, I was at the presidential um, visit to Southwest and it was actually a round table organized by the early careers. And, and you know, they, they had a topic around rural communities. And how many times do we think about that? We don't. We are not thinking about the deeply about, you know, when we talk about cities and transport, most, I think, majority of the times we're talking about cities, urban places, and they had an agenda about rural communities. You know, they had about, you're talking about the last mile or the cycling and walking. They have issues like it's not lit up. They don't feel safe at night. You know, the rural roads don't have lights. Uh, so even things basic as that. So I think people have started to think about the real things, the basic things. And, and those, those conversations are happening. I think what is not happening is that systemic change, the shakeup, the radical shift. We are just tinkering around the edges still. And that's the problem. I'm going to say, how can we do that change? Is there any way? I think it's leadership. It's leadership. Yeah. It's getting the right leadership, the leaders to think boldly, leaders to get rid of the status quo and, and try to do things they've never done before getting out of their comfort zones. So I think it starts from the leadership at all levels, whether it's a client, it's the supply chain, it's the politicians, it's everyone. And we, I, know, I know we keep talking about, but the policies are not there. And what do we do about the policies? I, I just see it as different swim lanes. Yes, you have to push policy. Don't stop that. But equally, do what is in your capacity. Stretch the envelope. Crack on with things. Do what you Where can. you can, exactly. Where yeah. you can. Get those. And if, even if you fail, that, 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 that failure is also gold dust for someone who's doing research, right? And, and also where you are successful, get those stories out, uh, share it with the politicians. And politicians love stories, you know, especially communities. And that will push policy. And that's what I keep saying. You have to find creative ways to make change happen. I completely agree. How you do. And I think it's like find the ways you can make it happen and then show them the value and what you've done. Because that's the thing, isn't it? Half the time it's like, oh. <laughs> exactly. And I think we can do it. I just have, I, I really believe and I'm confident in the human ingenuity, you know, 
we have done things which when you've thrown in that corner, we've done things we've never done before. But I just want people to understand that we are in that corner. We have less time. It's, you know, we talk about 2050. We already in 2023, did we, like, you know, time is flying. We don't have the time. How do you 2024. do it's 2024, sorry. Look, look at that. <laughs> it's only Friday afternoon, it's 2024. That's what I mean. 2024, like, like before we know it's 2030, you talk about the UNSDGs. Yeah. 2030 is round the corner. 2050 net zero is round the corner. It's just time is flying. I think all I'm saying is, we should do at each level whatever is in our capacity, within our roles, within our zones of influence, get that connected thinking. Think about people, think about nature, keep them at the heart of your solutions and where you can't, communicate it better. And if you can't do it on this project, try in another project. But don't stop moving, don't stop. You know, it's okay to be getting uncomfortable around these things because that's when change happens. So I, I think we need to be a bit bold. We need to, if your intent is right for the people, for the health and well-being of people and planet, I don't think you should be scared. There's nothing, there's nothing that should stop you. Fantastic. And on that note, I'm going to say thank you very much for coming on to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. It's really, really good. Thanks for listening to Interchange. And remember, it's not just a podcast. Interchange is much more. It's also a two-day major exhibition and conference taking place on February the 27th and 28th in Manchester Central. Head to www.interchange-uk.com to find out more.